Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Memeing Jesus. This is Victor here, my friend Josh. Hey! So we are back on and just wanted to throw out a quick update about our last episode about the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman case. Um, just an update that came from The Blaze, which is Glenn Beck's uh, news arm. Uh, I guess it's real news, but whatever. Um, entertainment news, whatever you want to call it. But it was really interesting. Um, some stuff about who this guy uh, Zimmerman is, and we're going to put the link in the description, so if you want to read that, do that. Um, but it was just something, after we talked about it last week, we were like, here we go. This is the kind of stuff we were talking about, jumping the gun, about assassinating people in the, the mass media, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, uh, it's exactly the point we were trying to make last week. Well, what do you do when it doesn't turn out like we thought it was, and now you've brought you made it a religious thing and and brought Jesus into the equation and if that's what happens here then uh yeah then that that that's going to echo to people outside the church they're going to they're going to see um that kind of attitude that we were talking about last week the kind of separating separating that we do I don't know why I yep. can't talk today but yeah so so yeah that's that's all I really have to say about that <laughs> well, this week we have an article that came to us. Uh, Josh found it on the Huffington Post, and it's probably one of the most favorite things for to talk about. You know, <laughs> they say you shouldn't talk about politics, you shouldn't talk about religion. Well, hey, we're going to hit both of them today at the same time the because same that's time. what we like to do here at Meme Jesus. So, Josh, <laughs> tell us about this article. Okay, so I am an avid reader of blogs that I can that I like to read uh, on occasion. I have my iPad, so I sit in bed at night and I read through all these uh, different things. And, and the Huffington Post is one of those. And um, typically on there, I, I wouldn't expect to see an article like this. And so it kind of caught, caught my eye as I was flipping through random articles. Um, and what it, what it said um, is basically here's the, uh, the title – um, Christian conservatives plot defeat for socialist Obama at Florida revival. Um, if that wasn't enough, because <laughs> I think that's enough for me to be mad about it. Um, here is the first paragraph. I'm just going to read it verbatim from them. Hundreds of Christian conservatives convene here today or for or Friday for the awakening, a two-day combination of strategy session, prayer meeting, and Tea Party reunion aimed at jump-starting a religious revival they say will defeat the secular socialist White House incumbent Barack Obama. Amen. <laughs> okay. So here is what set me off. Um, and I'm sure, and it happens a lot to me, I get, I get called liberal quite often. Um, and so if that happens today, oh well. Um, but, but what set me off, that first paragraph, and the thing is I'm, I'm – I'm mad at both sides here because the Huffington Post, the way this article is written, it, it makes Christians sound crazy. And to Christians that are talking about this article that would be in this article, you are crazy. Um, because this, to me, this is just not not how we need to address this issue. Um, okay, so my, my beef, what set me off is here we have a two-day thing that's a strategy session, a prayer meeting, and a tea party reunion. To me – these three things do not belong together. Um, it, okay, let's start with the first part. If you want to have a political strategy session, 
please do so. You're, you're more than able to in this country. If you want to sit together as a group of people who are like-minded politically and you want to discuss what your next step is politically, do it. We give you those rights. Um, if you want to have a prayer meeting, by all means, do it about anything, even if yep. it is about even if it is about this. Okay, then I might have to backtrack a little bit. But if you want to have a prayer meeting, do it. Um, and if you want to, if you're a member of the Tea Party, that's fine. Um, you know where I stand on who I think the Tea Party is is irrelevant in this conversation. Um, but the three of them together, I don't I don't think that adds up. Um, I don't see why these things need to be together. Um, for example, if I was preaching on a Sunday and I launched into a political debate, I don't think that's okay. Um, you know, I've I've been in churches and I've even been I've been guilty of it myself, where politics comes into play from the pulpit, and that's a dangerous area to be in. I don't think it's a a good area, and it's definitely not what we should be doing. Um, and so to combine a political strategy session and what really you'll see in a minute is a political workshop, <laughs> um, really, to combine that with what is – there's no way we can say that what happened on the first part of this event was not a church service. Um, right. So to combine that with a worship service, first of all, what does that say to the world um, when they look at it? Um, and, and second of all, what does that say about us um, and, and the way the way we're trying to use our is it maybe use our religion for political power? And we're going to get to some of that stuff in a, in a little bit later. Um, so that's my first thing that made me mad about this because I'm reading this article and I'm reading the first paragraph and I'm like, okay, these things do not belong together. One of these things is not like the other, um, and, and and I'm just I'm getting more and more angry as I'm reading the first paragraph. Second of all. Um, and, and I want to talk about this as briefly as possible. Um, the wording "secular socialist Obama." Um, again, I've told you I've been called liberal, so that's fine. Whatever. Um, let's take Obama's name out of it. But the idea that we, um, the religious um, conservative right, that that we um, are fighting them. Is, is the attitude that was talked about last week. It's the attitude that will probably be the topic of a lot of these episodes um, because it is so, so damaging to what the world sees Christians as. Um, that, that a group of Christians can sit in a room and essentially um, plot how to get rid of somebody um, is, is scary, and it sounds terrible. Um, and so to, to pigeonhole a person who, honestly, you don't know on a personal level, um, yep. to pigeonhole a person into a title that puts them at odds with whatever Christianity says um, creates this mentality that it, it is very damaging to our the way people see us in the world. Um, and so that's the other thing that set me off. Not really that they called Obama a secular or socialist. I don't care because I just don't. It doesn't matter. It's, it's irrelevant, whatever you think about him. Because, again, I said you don't know him. I don't know him. You don't know him. So it's fine. But to, to call any person that, to put any person in a, in a box that says Christianity must be against you. Um, in fact, it, it reminds me of um, several years ago. 
um, when I was trying to decide who to vote for in the last election. Um, I mentioned my voting preferences to a friend of mine who was involved in the church. And his immediate response was something akin to, well, I don't see how you can support this person because you're a Christian. Um, and and that, that bothered me because I just don't think those two – the two questions to me don't go together the way that we seem to put them together so, all, so yeah. often. Um, it becomes the idea that if you're a Christian, this is how you vote. These are the issues you care about, and this is how you should feel about everything because you are a Christian. And I just don't think that's how it works. Um, so that's the other thing uh, that really set me off about the article. Do you have anything to add there, Victor? That I, I think the irony here is that this is the very same accusation that we level against Muslims. That they are theocentric or theocratic, and now theologically, I would have to say that the Muslim faith does tend to lean in that direction. But that seems to be the same kind of fear that Christians have here in this country that Muslims are going to do the exact same thing. That they're going to set up Sharia law. We hear a lot about that now in, in the news that they're going to go out of their way to. Uh, you know, basically take over the government and take over all the institutions. So I think it's ironic that the that we find people in the church who are doing the very thing that they are afraid of somebody else doing. And so um, I, I don't know. And, and again, you know, we have to see who wrote the piece, Huffington Post, which tends to be leftward leaning mm -hmm. and talking about people who are rightward leaning. And I have to say, in spite of all that, it was really kind of a fair article. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't overly disparaging you know, or critical, but it was just interesting because I agree. What in the world, you know, do I think that there is a connection between my personal faith and what I do as far as my political views? Yes. But I don't know that I, we should be having political rallies in churches. Yeah. I'm not sure that we should be having this kind of thing in churches, not because it would be wrong, but because I don't think it's productive, which is a different thing. Not that it's wrong. I think you know any form of conversation about any any subject, any topic, is game within the context of who I am as a, a believer. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be productive talk, because yeah. we could just end up arguing rather than seeing anything happen. And so, yes, I agree. How I don't know if it's very productive. Yeah, and I think I come at it from a slightly different view than you do. Yeah, you do definitely. Um, we, we we talked about this prior to to recording that um, the way we come at things really all all the time is is a little different, and that's good. I think that's good. Um, but okay, so so let's break down the situation of what happened um, yeah. at this. I don't know the rally. We want to call it a rally. The um, meeting. meeting. Um, it was really it's really two separate pieces. Um, first of all, the thing altogether overarching was called the awakening, and we're going to get to that um, in a yeah. minute. Um, but but here's what – it was two days, and so this is Friday. Let me explain Friday to you and tell, let, let me show you I have no problems with what happened Friday afternoon. Um, well, except for, for this part. There's one part of, the, of it that I don't like, and, and I think Victor will agree with me. Okay, listen. Okay, Friday's gathering opened in the cavernous sanctuary of Calvary Ascendant. Calvary Assembly, a megachurch in suburban Orlando uh, that looks more like a convention center than a house of worship. 
I'm used to those. I'm used to bigger churches, and I get it. Yeah. Um, it included fiery preaching, the lifting of hands in worship, and a chorus of amens with a heavy Spanish accent showing conservatives' concerns at losing their huge and important voting block in this year's election. And there's where Huffington Post just has to poke a little bit more. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Um, a large orange cross was lighted on the stage as people rose and sang hallelujah with arms raised and eyes closed. That right there, that's a church service. And I'm totally okay with it. Um, I'm totally okay with anybody and everybody that wants yeah. to go to church, go to church, be together, worship together, have an awesome time. I don't care what your sanctuary looks like. It doesn't matter. So this Friday really doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that Friday is connected to Saturday. Um, and Saturday is day two of this event. Yeah. And it's intentionally connected. That's the issue. Yeah, it's intentionally it's connected. Purpose. Right. Did this on purpose. And so this is Saturday, and this is where I get so I get mad. Um, this is the paragraph from the article. The meat of the awakening comes Saturday in breakout sessions on hot button political issues. Why is this connected? Okay. Among them, winning the battle, winning the battle, and messaging the masses um, against gay rights, families under attack from pornography and sexual promiscuity, and panel discussions on abortion, immigration, Israel, and women. There'll be political hands-on sessions titled Pastors and Churches and Political Activity, Re-Energizing the Pulpit, and Utilizing C3s, C4s, and PACs. Uh, Reference to IRS codes that define social and political fundraising groups. Okay. <laughs> um, first of all, what... Winning the battle against gay rights, um, that's a, that could be a whole other show. Um, but, but the fact that this, this is deliberately abrasive, um, this, this Saturday event is deliberately set up to separate us from them. Um, it's to say, this is what we believe, this is how they're wrong, here's the tools to prove that you're right, or even if you can't, get it done. <laughs> um, that's, that's what this is, because ultimately, all at the end of this, I love how, and this again might be Huffington Post, but the very last thing they mention is political action committees, um, which to me sounds like if you can't do it with all the steps that we've given you, then give your money to somebody who will. Um, and I don't, and this event by itself would probably just annoy me and not really make me mad. Um, this event by itself would probably just I would probably just be like, okay, well, I don't agree with their particular uh, political thought processes. But when you combine it to Friday, when you connect it to Friday and say that it's literally the next event from Friday, um, they're connected, they're the same name. Ah, I don't like it at all. And part of, I think part of the problem is that, and, and, and I don't know, I, I'm not sure if this is the exact language. A lot of this is in quotes. Right. So I'm not sure if this is the language that was in the brochure, the flyer, whatever was given out. Mm -hmm. But if it is, if it is, then where are we going here? You know, e even even for me, while maybe theologically or politically, I might agree with some of these things. I'm not going to say all these things, with some of these things. What are we trying to advertise here? Right. You know, what, what, you're right. It's, it's, we're going back to this us versus them, and we're failing to see that our place as believers is to find ways into the community and into the society that we're in instead of trying to hack away with our, you know, the sword, the Bible, hacking away at things, and then doing it. And, and I'll tell you, 
I'll tell you what really bothers me is the fact that we're doing this through a means that the Bible doesn't afford for us to do as Christians. Mm. The Bible never uses politics as a way of achieving the goals of the kingdom of God. Never. Never do you see that. And we're going to hit on that in just a second. Yeah. And from that, that led to a little bit of the commentary, or even not, not so much commentary, but from the, the very things that were being said by the people. And this is one of the things that, that happens. And, you know, after reading the article, I was just amazed at how easy it is for people to, to be so religious about their politics and so political about their religion. Okay, so here, here's a little snippet, just another snippet from the same article. It says, many here compared the event to the great awakening, great awakening of the 18th century that led to the American Revolution. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Right. That was, that was my first gut reaction. But here's the quote, and this is a quotation from somebody that was there, uh, the vice president of Liberty Council Action. He says, before every revival in a nation, whether it's a spiritual revival, a cultural revival, a political revival, there has to be... There has to first be an awakening. The trajectory we are now on is counter to the vision of our founding fathers, counter to the bi biblical principles on which our nation was founded. Okay, listen, we're not going to get into history about this. We can say that there was some sense in which there was guiding principles that were according to the Scripture. I, I would probably agree with that statement in general. I don't have a problem with that. My problem is trying to make this connection between what was clearly, historically, clearly a spiritual movement and saying that all of a sudden, well, let's just make it a, a political movement. Let's just make it a cultural movement. Let's just make it right. No, that was clearly a spiritual movement among a, a vast a group of people, and that changed the undercurrent of everything else. So you want a political revival? Um, you don't start with religion to have a political revival. <laughs> right, right. You want a cultural revival? You don't start with religion to have a cultural revival. It just, it just did not make sense to me to make this connection. And, and, I, and I felt as I was reading it, the issue is they are trying to validate what they're doing. Mm, yeah. They're trying to validate it by, making, by connecting it to a real, tangible, and very effective reality that happened within our community within our country, rather, not just our community. But that raised the question for me, what is true revival? What is true revival? Because if we're equating what they're trying to do, this political revival, with a spiritual revival, then what is true revival? Because I don't think revival happens over groups of people. I think it happens in individuals who then become influencers and world changers in what they do. And I was struck, I really was I struck, I was bothered by the lack, you know, for all, for all this talk of history and trying to stay true to the, you know, the, they said it, the guiding principles, they went ahead and used an amazing event in the history of our country for political purposes. Mm -hmm. They didn't even use it for religious reasons. They used it for political purposes. And, you know, there may be people listening to this who disagree with that, but I have to tell you, that's the way it came off, based, based on just the quotation and based on the connection that they were deriving for themselves, this is a political statement using religious language. That's dangerous. Mm. You begin to blur the lines. Well, I think they wanted the lines blurred. I mean, I think um, that that the people that that said this that uh, that organized this event. I mean, I think the the point was to them that it, they're the same. And uh, I I totally agree with you that you know the Great Awakening 
that's one thing. That's and that is a a real thing that happened uh, on a spiritual level in this country. Um, but what they're talking about is not a spiritual awakening. No. Um, especially not when I mean, okay, go, going back to the wording, you, you were totally right. Um, you know the way we see the things in quotes. Um, some of them, some of those could have be could have been changed. Um. But even if they weren't, uh, even even the ones like this one, the pastors, churches, and political activity, uh, colon, re-energizing the pulpit, that probably sounds like a real thing. That probably was a, a direct title. And, and you know what? I'm all for re-energizing the pulpit. I think we should be energetic. But to do what? It seems like they want to re-energize the pulpit to convince people to vote Republican is basically what um, the thought process is here. And that's not – it. As a, as a person who preaches, as a person who is involved in church ministry, that is not my job. <laughs> my job is not to convince somebody how to vote on a Sunday and morning. The, and according to the laws of our country, that's illegal. Yeah. It's illegal to make political statements from the pulpit. It, it, it's Well, maybe illegal is a strong word. It is not – in order for your church, your organization that is a nonprofit, to maintain that status, you need to keep yourselves free from biases. Okay. Yep. Now, th it doesn't mean that you can't have your opinion, you can't have your own point of view, but it means that you will not use a a bully pulpit in this case mm -hmm. to 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 have a captured audience who came for a different reason to to all of a sudden start using this uh, willy nilly. And and I will say this, you know, growing up in in a predominantly African American church, this happens a lot in the black church. It happens a lot because there is always this sense of struggle. See, but that comes from a cultural, theological heritage. And so for them, it is not in, in inherently political speech, but what happens is, is that it manifests itself into political speech. But because of the issues of racism and the issues of history, black churches tend to be able to get a pass on that. And that's the part that drives me nuts because if a white church – says some of the things that are said in black churches, well, all of a sudden they're violating this whole thing of separation of church and state. They're, you know, going beyond what the IRS codes for. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? It, it's like we want to withhold with one hand one freedom, and then at the other side we want to say you can do whatever you want in, in another situation. So mm -hmm. if we were standing in the parking lot and we said all this, maybe it would be okay. Right. But not behind the pulpit. It's a weird line. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as a pastor, your 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 job, your charge, is to lead people spiritually. Um, yeah. and, and that that's pretty much that. Um, so when you begin to tell people, this is how you vote, or this is the shows on TV you watch, or this is the brand you buy. Um, then we have a problem. Um, I, I saw a church several years ago um, that in their Sunday morning bulletin uh, had a long tirade against the show Family Guy and all the reasons you shouldn't watch Family Guy. And same church um, had a listing of all the reasons you shouldn't buy Heinz ketchup many years ago. Um, really? If you remember that. That, I don't know if you know that debacle, but um, it was because of John Kerry's wife. Um, oh, and that, so yeah. that because of that, this church said, don't buy Heinz ketchup, because then you're indirectly supporting John Kerry. 
this is not a place church is allowed to be making. I don't think we're allowed to be making the kinds of statements that we make sometimes. Um, when we start telling congregants what they can and can't do, what they can and can't think about issues like this, then we've overstepped our boundaries um, in a lot of ways. You know, if we if if we want to tell them, you know, well this this is what we see here in the Bible. That's one thing, but to say it is unchristian for you to vote for blank, then we've narrowed down the scope of their own thought processes. I think the issue, and this is something my dad always told me when he came to preaching, he said, never assume the ignorance of your audience. Hmm. Never assume the ignorance of your audience. Treat the people that are, you're standing in front of as people who have a brain and they know how to use it. Now, is that always true? No, there are idiots in every congregation, there are idiots <laughs> in every group. It doesn't really matter. But the problem is that you cannot assume that they're stupid. Right. When you talk to people and you interact with people, you have to treat them and interact with them as if they are capable of understanding the pros and the cons, the fors and the against. And so I say this to my youth all the time in the youth ministry that I'm leading. I say my job is to clarify the issues. My job isn't to tell you my opinion. Right. If you ask it for it in a private moment, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about the whys and the hows and the ifs and the whatevers. But the bottom line is, my point is to clarify. So if you're going to take an, a position for whatever reason, then I'm going to take an opposing position to sharpen you. Okay? Uh, just as a quick example, I had a young man who wanted to be a pharmacist, and he was trying to figure out what to do with the morning after pill. He wasn't sure if that was abortion or not. So I asked him a simple question. I said, my job is not to tell you, yes, it is, or no, it's not. My job is to ask you this. The bottom line issue on this is when do you believe conception takes place? When do you believe that that person, or whatever you want to call it, the fetus, becomes a living soul? I said, you have to decide that. But you know what the funny thing is? That is not a political question. That is a philosophical, theological question. Mm -hmm. And that is what underpins and holds up the entire issue. So he came down on his position. I never asked him. But I, I did ask him. Have you come to a decision? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, can you live with that decision? That was the second question. Mm -hmm. Can you live with the consequences of that decision? So my job is to help people clarify what they believe. Now, does that mean I'm going to like everything that they fall, come down on? No, it's not. But at least they made a decision, and here's the bottom line, in the same way that I have to stand before God and I have to give an account for what I believe and what I have said and how I have lived my life, so will they. Mm -hmm. And if I did not do my job in helping them find their place, that's where I have gone wrong. Right. So that's, that to me is the issue. My job is to clarify and to help you resolve for yourself whatever the question might be in your own mind. Yeah. Um, anytime we attempt to force our opinion on somebody, I, I think we're overstepping our boundaries, um, especially when it comes from a place – that is the church. That should be the light of the world, you know, the light to the world of Christ. I mean, that's what we should be. That's what we're called to be. Anything, anytime we're doing anything other than that. Oh, I remember what I want to talk about. Um, in the book Think Orange, which is written by Reggie Joyner, um, who started all the Orange Ministry and a lot of other things, came came out of North Point. And um, so, regardless of what you think about that, let's. Uh, he he makes a point. Um, that the church is, is re referred to in the Bible as a lamp. Um, mm -hmm. And so he gives this image of a lamp with a lampshade. And um, really the church's job is to shine the light onto Christ so the world can see him. 
So we have a lampshade that's supposed to be pointing at Christ. What happens and where we go wrong is when we take that lampshade and we point it at another issue. Because now we've used the light that we're supposed to be shining on Christ to shine on this, or this, or this. All the while, we're not pointing the light at Christ. Um, and so that's that's what's happening in this situation is what 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 people aren't able to see from the church that did this is Christ because all they see is politics now um, because their lampshade their lamp their light is pointed at politics when all we're supposed to do is point to Christ um, and and so that happens in this church and other churches too um, when we start pointing that light at anything that is in Jesus. Um, I think that's dangerous grounds to be in. Well, and that that raises – I think that that's a great way to segue into what did Jesus say himself mm-hmm. about himself and his place in culture, right. in all cultures. You know, and, and one great example of this is John 18.36 where Jesus said – right? this is a, a quote – Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, You could stop right there, but then he went on. <laughs> Right. If he had just said that, that would have been enough. But he went on. If it were of this world, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus himself did not see the transformative power coming from the polit- political structures. If it had been, he would have raised an army and would have raised the world in order to achieve his purposes. But he himself wasn't a political figure. He did everything that he could to stay away from politics. You know, the, the one event, I can't remember what it is right now, but where they said, let's make you the king. And Jesus, I think he pretty much struck them all blind and walked right through them, through the crowd, because he, it wasn't time for him. That wasn't the way he was going to be made king. Mm-hmm. See, nobody makes a king a king. He already is king. Right. And when he decides to reign, then that's on him. So I think it's interesting that we're trying to make uh, Jesus into the president. Yeah. He, he, need, he needs a pack. He needs to raise support. He needs to have a team on the ground in every state campaigning for him because you know what? Jesus needs our help. No, he doesn't. Right. Jesus does not need our help to win because he's already won. And so the, the idea is that, you know, this one verse, I think, would stop a lot of this foolishness. My kingdom is not of this world. So stop trying to make it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, um, and that's kind of where I hit on this issue. You know, is there? I ask this question: Is there a place for political conversation within the religious culture? Yes, yes. As a believing purpose I, per, person, I have to have an opinion, right? Part of my job is to be an active member of the culture in which I'm in. But I cannot use my access to people in the church as a tool to achieve a political end. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would draw the line. The line is, is that, do people need to be informed? Yes. Do need to, people need to be engaged? Yes. But I cannot go around, like you said, telling people how to do that or when to do that. Right. That is something they have to sort out as they interact with God, as they interact with Scripture, as they interact with whatever is going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I, when I first read the scripture, when we talked about it earlier, I kind of just, I really just skim read it. 
because um, I knew my kingdom was not of this world. Um, but that second sentence, man, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. Um, it really just hit me just then because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking of all the times uh, that we have used or tried to use the political system to carry out religious ideals. Um, so, And th don't get me wrong, when I started off and when I talked about this uh, at the beginning, when I say that church and, and the state and politics should be separated, what, what I don't I, – I, this is what I want us to get away from, things like this, using the political system to bolster our religious beliefs and things. Yeah. That, that I don't agree with. But I've always said um, my religion is the lens that I see my politics through. Um, so do understand that I'm not saying take your religion out of the equation. That's not it. Um, I don't think you can. I think if you're living as a Christian ought to be, I don't think you can do that. Um, but what I'm saying is, is don't try to use politics to push religion forward. Religion is powered by Jesus, and Jesus has enough power to push religion forward. Amen um, to that. He doesn't need – like you said, he doesn't need our help. Um, and then kind of the last, the last little thought that came to my mind is we're the church – this church is having this con con convention um, to talk about what do we do to get rid of secular socialist Obama. All the while, their best bet right now is a Mormon guy. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. I don't know what you do with that when you're when you're trying to say Christians need to take back the White House. Um, so it just kind of makes me laugh. Um, well, that could be a discussion for another time. <laughs> right. That, that that has been that issue has been actually raised because there's some folks on the West Coast in one of the seminaries who are saying that Mormonism is uh, a branch of mainline Orthodox Christianity, and while well, there are some who disagree with that statement. Um, I'm many, in fact. I wonder if they're saying that because it's been said many times that uh, really you need to be a Christian to become president in this country, um, at least right now. And so I wonder. I wonder if the people that are saying that are saying that so they can justify using that for him. I don't know. In this case, it's not. This guy's been doing this for a while. He's been. At, he's. Uh, right. I've been following the dialogue between. I think his name is Mao, last name Mao, M-O-U-W, I think. Okay. And he's been interacting with the Mormon church for a long time. And so a lot of the uh, more conservative folks from like places like uh, the Southern Baptist Seminary mm -hmm. um, and some other places, and, but Southern Baptists in particular, have been railing against that guy. He's just saying, no, you can't be I'm sure. That. So we'll, we, we'll get in there for another time. But yeah, that sounds it, We need to talk about that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, just cra it's, it's just crazy. The bottom line, for me... Um, I guess as we wrap this the show up for today, is where where my religion I would say that my religion doesn't end in anywhere, okay. But wherever I take up another issue, whether it be political, cultural, uh, philosophical, then I need to understand that it's not my job to impose my view on everybody else. I think through conversations like this. We learn from each other, and hopefully we'll adjust. We'll make adjustments because nobody, no one person has all the answers. No one person right. knows all the facts. And so we have to have the conversation in order to arrive at a place where at least we're getting close. I mean, because if anybody claims to have it all figured out, which is one of the reasons I hate politics in general, is because they say, well, we've got the answer. No, you don't. No, you don't. 
There's no way. It's impossible. So um, that would be my issue. Don't yeah. impose. Propose. Get involved. That was stupid. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and kind of my closing thought on it is what I what I said earlier. Anytime we as the church take the light that we're supposed to be shining on Jesus and we point it at other things and we use the power that we do have, because we do have power in this world to make changes. I believe that. When we use that power for things we aren't supposed to be doing, um, then we damage the way we look to other people, and we damage not what Christ can do, but what we can do for Christ. I really think I really think that's what we do when we do that, um, because we we limit our scope when we start opposing people with the church. The, when we start using the church as a weapon, which is what essentially being done here, um, we limit what we can do. We limit our scope. Um, and that's just not a good place to be. Um, and so that's that's kind of the end of that for me. Um, next week, I don't think we really decided what we're talking about next week. So not yet. If you have any ideas, yeah. If you have any ideas, put them in the comments. Um, we are working on getting this up on iTunes now, so pretty soon uh, this will automatically go up on iTunes, and you'll be able to download it to your uh, respective iDevices um, and listen to it there. Because um, I know it is kind of a longer show to watch on YouTube, um, but that that'll be there soon. And yeah, always and always uh, think think about things you might want to hear us talk about. You might want to bring to light. Uh, you can send emails to memingjesus at gmail dot com. I'll put that in the description there. Um, you can leave comments, any of that stuff. We would love to hear from you guys. Um, but that's about all the time we have, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Amen.